Ride through the city like Brennan Shop. I'm on a mission to get it all. Ride through the city like Brennan Shop. If you ain't thick, please don't get involved. And now, Brandon Thick Boy Shop. What is popping, kid? It is a gloomy, rainy Monday morning, November 7th. We have quite the fight coming up. We have the UFC return to Madison Square Garden. UFC 281 is going down this mother trucking Saturday. My boy Izzy versus Alex Pierre is your main event. Coming event, you got Carla Sparza, Wele. You got a big boy fight, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler at lightweight. You got the fan favorite, Frankie Edgar, in his send-off fight. Not an easy fight. And you got Dan Hooker and... Uh, uh, fighting as well. I'm not mad at that lightweight fight in that prelims. Brad Riddell versus Renato Meccano is a great one. Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes and Dan Hooker, kind of in the same boat. They both need to get a win. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. We'll get in the card, though, but I'm looking forward to this one. Unfortunately, won't be able to do a fight campaign for this one because I'll be in Houston this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Houston Improv coming to you live with the Thick Boy squad with the Oh He Thick Tour. That's Houston this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There's an appearance Saturday at the Specs in Houston. Let me check the exact address. Everyone keeps asking for the address. That's from noon to 2 on Saturday, and that is at Specs in downtown Houston. When I say downtown, I don't know Houston, so I'm just going to say downtown right now. That is the Specs at 2, was it 241? I think you're right on Smith Street. Definitely, definitely Smith Street. Yeah, it's 241 Smith Street. Baby, holler. That's from noon to 2. Come try that award-winning sweet, thick nectar. 2410 Smith Street, Houston, Texas, baby. Houston, Texas. I'll be there uh, with the crew. Come try some of that award-winning whiskey. Come get you some cases, uh, some bottles. We'll be doing giveaways. We'll have some cool stuff there for you guys. So that's Saturday in downtown Houston, Specs. Um, yep. And two shows that night, two shows Friday, one show Thursday. Houston, come get some. Next week, I'm in Milwaukee. Those shows are only Friday, Saturday. Friday is Milwaukee, hometown of Jeffrey Dahmer. And then first week of December, Providence, Rhode Island, December 1st through the 3rd, that all those shows are most sold out. And then Washington, D.C., D.C. Improv is December 15th through the 17th. One of my favorite venues in all the land. Good to see you guys, though. Shout out to San Antonio. Had a great time in San Antonio. Shout out to 2M Barbecue, Hotel Emma, all of it, man. Had a grand old time. Let's get right into the fights, though, man. Um, you know, UFC 281. UFC 281 is here at Mass Square Garden. There's been some infamous fights at Mass Square Garden. That's where um, our boy TJ Dillashaw knocked out Cody Garbrandt. I think that's where Rose knocked out Joanna Yunjenchek. Um, there's been some big fights there, some really big fights. So um, it's a special thing when the UFC's in uh, New York. And this card has special written all freaking over it. Um, there's a lot going on on this card. Definitely worth your money. You know, it's rare I tell you guys it's worth your 80 bucks, but this one is definitely worth it. And the last one was too, but this one is fantastic. I like the prelims, my boy, um, Philly's finest, Andre Petrosky, fighting Willington uh, Truman. Uh, you know, I'm taking Andre all freaking day. Shout out to Andre Petrosky. You got Molly the Meatball 
fighting on there as well. As well, They gave her a tough matchup. They didn't do any favors with Erin uh, Blanchfield. She's quite the underdog. I know she's cool with Jake. She's, she's, she's mates with J Drake. I don't think the UFC cares. They did not give her a favorable matchup. Her and uh, her and Patty, are, are, you know, they're getting tougher fights, which is how it goes. Um, but they, there's a there's a underlying theme on this card. You know, there's there's some fan favorites: Dominic Reyes, everyone loves Dan Hooker, Frankie Edgar. Then you have two, uh, you know, Dustin Poirier. All those names I just mentioned really need a win. Really need a win. Dominic Reyes changed camps. He's over it with Glover Teixeira now. Um, obviously, I'm sure he did camp with Alex Pereira and Glover, so that should help him. Ryan Spann's not the easiest fight for the guy who's taking some time off, hasn't won a fight in a hot second. Burst on the scene like a goddamn banshee. Obviously, he had that uh, controversial fight with John Jones, and then now he's falling on tough times. So it's gonna get dice for me to lose this one i think i'd be four in a row chin is he lost three or two in a row i'm pretty sure it's three in a row Tom gray's yep. three in a row he lost john jones right controversial they probably don't hold that against him lost to yawn all right guy was champ and they lost to yuri guy was the champ so he's he's losing to the best of the best um but yeah he's gonna have to he's fought for the title twice so it's like this is an important one, man. God, he came out like a goddamn banshee. I know he's smart, too, because, you know, he's suffered two pretty bad knockouts, the KO spinning back elbow from Yuri and the TKO from uh, Jan. So he's taking time off just to let his brain heal. Smart thing. Smart thing to do, but that ring rust is real. So Ryan Spann's no punk. They're not doing Dominic Reyes or Dan Hooker any favors with the matchups they're giving to these guys. So uh, listen, I'm siding with my boy, uh, Dom. Dom there, I think he gets it done. He's worked hard, but yeah, they're not doing many favors. Nor should they. You know, he's fighting John Jones, Yeri, and um, Jan, so it's not like you're gonna get just some random dude. Ryan Spann's no punk. Um, then for Dan Hooker, same thing, right? He was messing around at 145, and then uh, 155 is probably pretty natural for him. He's won one out of his last five. Um, he's lost his last two. So you know, the dude hasn't won a fight in a hot second. And, um, again, they're not doing him any favors. The, the guy he's fighting is no punk, but you're also Dan Hooker. So what are you going to do? These guys are in tough positions, man. Really tough positions where they're that you got to win. You got to freaking win. So, you know, the Arnold Allen thing was kind of a, that was a tough one. That was a, that was a tough one. Uh, Arnold Allen, I told you guys, my dark horse for that division, especially at featherweight. So he decides to go down to featherweight and like, here's Arnold Allen, Hooker. He's also, I think one of the reasons a lot of us cheer for him, too, is he's such a good dad and family man. Remember, with uh, New Zealand and flying out of Australia, remember, they basically had to do an underground fight club out there. That's how strict it was. And he was getting stuck, and they are holding him in, you know, quarantine and shit. So the guy, you can't help but root for him, man. So, I, God, I'm really rooting for uh, all, all three of the guys. Well, listen, you got Dominic Reyes. We need him to win. Dan Hooker, you need him to win. And Frank Hecker, it's his last fight. Who the hell? This isn't anything against Chris Gutierrez. Who the hell is rooting for Chris Gutierrez against Frank Yeager? If you're a goddamn American, who the hell is going to root against Frank Yeager? This send-off fight, Mass Square Garden, how dare you? Now, I know Frank Yeager won Dominic Cruz, but I like this for him. Unless there's also going to be Dominic Cruz send-off fight, then that's kind of fun. But I'm down for this, for Frank Yeager. Definitely down. He's always a tough one to beat. At least Chris isn't like a crazy knockout artist. The last thing anybody wants to see is Frank get knocked out. So 
The one where I'm not going to pick because they're two of my buddies uh, is D- Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. I'll talk about the fight, but you're, that's the only fight you're not getting a pick on out of me. Um, this fight has so many heavy consequences when it comes to lightweight division because the guy who loses, you jump way back in the queue and there's some killers in the queue and it's changing of the time. So, you know, you look at guys who ran the division forever. You look at Tony uh, Ferguson. You had Khabib there forever. Connor's doing his damn thing. Everybody's getting older. Charles Oliveira just lost. He's been in the UFC for literally ever since he was 21. Um, so you got Justin Gaethje there. Uh, Darius isn't exactly a young buck. Rafael Dos Anjos, like it, it's a bit of an older vibe, but you got these new savages coming in and kind of going to run things. So for for uh, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler, it's like whoever loses this is going to fall back in the queue. And then there's guys like Darius who deserves a title shot. There's Fazeev deserves a, you know uh, to be right up there. Yet Gamrot just waiting the the freaking line there so you got all these savages just waiting waiting armin is a freaking nightmare jalen turner nightmare so it's like whoever loses this one you probably gonna be a very tough path to get to the title shot there's so many good guys waiting so you know for dustin who he said he would only take a fight that would get him out of bed get him excited i thought it was gonna be the nate fight but it didn't up happening Michael Chandler's a good one, and they have a bit of bad blood, bad history there. Mm-hmm. They almost fought at the UFC, if you remember. They don't like each other. Everyone, you know, Dustin thinks Chandler's fake, and they used to be training partners at ATT, so there's a good uh, backstory there. It's a fantastic fight. Um, you know, you just got to wonder who is just going to be a here slower, who's going to make one mistake, and as far as knockout power goes, I'd give the advantage of Michael Chandler, so... That worries me with Poirier going in this fight, but Poirier's damn near impossible to finish. So um, it's going to be a great fight. That has fight of the night written all over it, unless Chandler was to land one of his big bombs, which he's notoriously known for. But, um, you know, for Chandler, he's kind of the UFC's golden boy. You know, he was hoping for a gigantic fight. There's a lot of talk, you know, pairing him up with Connor. There's all sorts of chatter online about what his next fight was going to be. And he got a big one. He got a big fish on the line with Dustin Poirier, man. Legend. So... Looking forward to that fight. Co-main event, I know you got Carla Esparza, who's just been on this savage streak to get to you know championship status. Um, I think three of those six wins or three of those seven wins. How many she won in a row, Chin? Six or seven? But a lot of those split decisions, right? So she's won one, two, three, four, five, six. So before that, she lost to, lost to Tatiana Suarez, who I thought was going to be champ. Who knows what's going on with her neck? Um but she had a split decision or a majority decision. A lot of decisions there. Dude, she's out, out of, holy shit, out of those six fights, they're all decisions except for one. Um, and then also uh, out of those six wins, out of those decisions, half of those wins are split, so they could go either way. So she had the win over Rose, right, to, to win the belt. Um, she beat Marina Rodriguez. That's a good win. Split again. Michelle Watterson split. I just I, I just don't see her finishing Waylay. I, I just don't. I don't see her finishing her. Can she be in a decision? I'm sure. I just what were the odds? I would assume Waylay's a heavy favorite chin. Let's see. On DraftKings. Minus three fifty. Minus three fifty. That makes sense. Poirier's a minus two eighty. Damn. Is he minus one eighty? Wow, wow, wow. Frank Yeager's a, a dog. Hooker's favorite, thank God. 
That Brad Riddell, Renato, Massino fight's going to be fantastic. Petrovsky, our boys, minus 200. All right, Dom Gray is minus 225. Wow. That's surprising. That's that surprising. long of a layoff yeah. over Ryan Spann. Then look at our girl, Molly Meatball, plus 320. Yeah, that's big. That's a tough one. Carolina uh, versus Silvana Gomez, Juarez. Even. Uh, Juarez is first team all baddie. Montel Jordan, just kidding, Montel Jackson, <laughs> minus 205. Interesting, man. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I just, listen, good for uh, Carlos Sparza getting the, the title and stuff like that and going on the six-fight winning streak. I think the, the bus stops at, in China with Weile, you know? I, listen, Weile's only really lost to Rose. She beats everybody not named Rose. If your name's not Rose, you're probably going to get beat up. Rose is just her Achilles heel. And I think, listen, for, for Rose, the best part to get back to the title she needs Wele to win, and then she'll become champ, and then she'll fight not Wele, and then she'll have to fight Wele, you know? So Carlos Barza and that split, you know, it's tough, dude. The women's division, strawweight's fun, but if you're a Rose fan, this is best-case scenario because Wele will beat – because Wele matches up bad with Carla, right? It's a tough fight for Carla. Carla matches up good with Rose. Rose matches up good with Wele. That's how it goes, man. Anyone can be champs. It just depends how – their timing is so if you're a rose fan which i am i've known that girl forever um we want Wele to win this fight and then call out rose and then she's gonna fight rose i'm sure she wants that fight and rose is her achilles heel let's take a little break y'all just chatting your ear off as you're driving into work houston i will see you this thursday friday saturday houston improv come meet your boy and try that new award-winning tiger thick sweet nectar at specs 12 to 2 on Saturday during the day. The whole Thick Boy crew will be there. Come say what's up. Come try the whiskey. Come ask whatever questions you want. I'll be doing a Q&A, all sorts of fun stuff. That's at Specs downtown Houston. I'll post the exact address on my social media today. Houston this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Next week is Milwaukee, Friday, Saturday only. Milwaukee Improv, Province, Rhode Island, December 1st through the 3rd. Those shows are almost sold out. So if we sell out soon, I'll add some shows. But get your tickets, Providence, Rhode Island. You're, I've never been there. Looking forward to it. Then I end the year, the Ohi Thick Tour in Washington, D.C., D.C. Improv, December 15th through the 17th of December. Get your tickets at thickboy.com. This episode of The Shop Show is brought to you by my friends at DraftKings. And guess what? UFC 281 is live from New York this freaking Saturday. Get closer to the Octagon with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Right now, new, cus- new customers can bet $5 on UFC 281 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a parlay today with three or more picks and combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, total rounds, and so much more. Little parlay, you could take the favorites, you could take Wele, you could take Izzy, you could take Dustin Poirier. The three of them are favorites, but you're not going to make much money betting on the favorites by themselves. So the way to boost your odds Put all three of them together and then do your thing, right? With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on UFC. It's the only place I go because they send my money when I need it. Those have the best odds. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code SHOBSHOW, S-C-H-A-U-B, SHOW. Throw down $5 on 
UFC 281 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. That's Code Shop Show this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting part of the UFC. Minimum age eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. DraftKings. Another little break to keep the house lights on and pay the thick boy staff. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like a dessert with the Manscaped's Help Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and give gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle trim your pumpkins by going to manscape.com use code shop 20 s-c-h-a-b 20 for free shipping with 20 percent off the best manscaping products on the planet what else are you going to use i would love to hear it dude think your holiday spread is good it's time to give thanks to manscape performance package 4.0 or as i like to call it the perfect package for your package inside you find the lawnmower 4.0 the Weed Whacker Ears Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxers, and a Travel Bag to hold all your goodies. All right, it's fantastic. We got you covered, man. All right, Gifted Manscaped is the ultimate hack to become the family favorite. We got you guys covered. Quit nicking your balls. They bleed like crazy. All right, don't do that anymore. It's 2022. How many times have I told you guys about Manscaped? I swear by them. It's the only thing that touched this face and this wiener. All right, get 20% off and free shipping with the code SHOP20, S-E-H-A-E-B-20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use code SHOP20. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Now let's get back to the program. The main event, yeah, Izzy Adesanya, Alex Piera. Um, I know everybody's on Piera's giant Brazilian nutsack right now. And I get it. Big, scary guy knocking dudes out. He knocked out Sean Strickland. He had that jumping uh, knee. Me and Eric Griffin broke it down on Fight Night Flashback last week. If you haven't seen it, go watch it because Eric didn't know either of these two. Um, but if you look at Piera, this is – I'm not sold on Piera yet. I, you know, I know why the UFC fast-tracked him. And basically, they're doing it. It's a byproduct of the way Izzy's been winning. They want to get, they want to stoke a fire under Izzy. Because remember when Izzy first burst on the scene, he was fun. He was finishing guys. And it's not that he's not fun now, but in order to get the best out of Izzy, you got to come forward and you got to take chances. And I think now that Izzy's this mythical legend in the middleweight division, guys are very tentative and so you're getting kind of a boring fight because Izzy's like I'm not putting my title on the line if your dumb ass is just going to sit there look at the Yoel Romero fight he's like why would I I'm already the champ dude why am I going to risk all this come get it if you want it you gotta come get it a lot of these guys aren't willing to risk that because they know they're going to get starched so UFC fast track Pierre which I don't really have an issue with I think it's short-sighted I'll get to that but so they fast-tracked Pierre and, and gave him the perfect matchups to get to Izzy because if they give him anybody else outside the top seven besides Sean Strickland, they're going to wrestle the shit out of him. And they can't afford that loss because then Pierre definitely doesn't deserve a shot. He jumps back in the queue. They don't have the narrative between him and Izzy. And obviously the narrative, everybody knows this by now, is Pierre beat him twice in kickboxing. My only issue with that, if you're going to predicate this fight in your decision to bet on Piera over Izzy off those two kickboxing matches, A, it was kickboxing, not MMA, smaller gloves. B, it was a long time ago. In fight years, it's forever ago. They've both gotten better, but one has gotten better in mixed martial arts, and one has been fighting the best of the best 
at the highest possible level and being successful for 25 minutes. And his name is not Alex Pierre. Pierre has never fought for 25 minutes in the UFC. Izzy, that's all he knows. He knows how to win. You might say, oh, well, it's boring or it wasn't exciting. doesn't matter. The guy knows how to win at that level. Alex Pierre does it. You're telling me Alex Pierre is going to figure that out for the first time ever in Mass Square Garden in the main event against Izzy? I beg to differ. I don't think he will. Now, can he catch Izzy? Yeah. If this is a video game or going through, you know, their their attributes and their talent and there's there's a, you know, those weird graph charts and stuff, Pierre has more uh, knockout power than Izzy. I'll give you that. But as far as technique goes, as far as MMA goes, experience, speed, um, you know, kind of uh, the mastery of mixed martial arts, especially when it comes to kickboxing in the UFC, check, 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 it all goes to Izzy. Izzy checks way more boxes as a mixed martial artist than um, uh, Alex Pierre. The other thing is, too, you know, I don't think, I think a lot of people go, well, you tell me Izzy's been, you know, training this long in mixed martial arts. You don't know how to wrestle. If he had to, he had to wrestle. He would uh, take Alex down. I don't think that's going to be a big factor in this fight. I know people think uh, Izzy might shoot. I think Izzy, one of the reasons that makes him special is he can figure guys out on the fly. And even though he, you know, it might not be the most exciting thing, he can figure them out, figure out a way to win. I think him, especially not having a wrestling background, knowing Alex Pierre's knees and guys that shoot in, it's a huge risk. And that's not really his bread and butter. I don't see Izzy fighting. I, or, I'm sorry, Izzy wrestling or grappling. I also don't see Izzy um, submitting to that, the narrative that he needs to wrestle to beat him. I think Izzy knows he's more technical and has a speed advantage and has the experience advantage, the uh, main event level, fighting for 25 minutes. So I think you could see Izzy win uh, a decision, like a four-to-one decision, unless Alex Pierre, and he would love this, and but it's not going to happen. Um, Alex Pierre, you know, the way you beat a guy who's more technical than you is you make it a brawl. And Alex Pierre is praying to the Brazilian gods that Izzy has a moment where he goes, I can knock this guy out. I'm just going to let it fly. Because then that favors Alex Pierre, and that's really Alex Pierre's only way to win. Not gonna lie to you guys. It's his only way to win. Is if Izzy goes, fuck all the training, fuck what my coaches say, kind of what Sean Strickland did. When Sean Strickland was on Food Trade, I go, what were you thinking? He's like, the game plan was stand with him a little bit and then shoot in. And I just figured, man, I'm kind of winning this war. You might for a little bit, but the guy hits so goddamn hard, you're playing such a risky game, man. And he suffered a major loss uh, due to that. He's not Izzy. Izzy's one of the the thing that makes Izzy special. The same thing that makes John Jones special is the, the the most cerebral fighters in the game. They're the smartest guys we have to offer. So I think for Izzy, and if you go back and watch the fight where he got knocked out, Izzy again the smarter fighter, uh, more technical. If it was UFC, they would have stopped that fight. They would have stepped in, stopped the fight. There was a point where you know he he did uh, concuss him and was doing work against him. But then he got into that exchange of power shots. And Alex Pierre loves, you know, he's your Huckleberry. He loves to play that power game. And Izzy decided to play that power game. If you watch an interview with his coach, he goes, I don't know what Izzy was thinking. The whole freaking fight, we told him, don't get into that war with him. Dude, you're winning the fight. Do not get in that exchange with Alex Pierre. It's a bad idea. Izzy had a 
uh, you know, an error and uh, a mental judgment there and end up getting knocked out. And now all you guys are buying the narrative that Izzy's just going to get knocked out again. That's fucking stupid. That's assuming Izzy from whatever the fight was five, six years ago is the same fighter. He's definitely not. Izzy is a very cerebral, smart fighter, has too much to risk to go out there and play Texas shoot him uh, with a freaking guy like Alex Piera. He's going to sit on the outside, pick him apart. Alex can get frustrated, come in. The only way you get a finish is if Alex were to land something unconventional on Izzy. But really, the only way you're going to get an exciting finish of this fight is if Alex Perry goes, all right, I'm getting destroyed on the outside. I need to start taking some risks. Like a Whitaker, like Apollo Costa, you come in and you get knocked out. Because if Alex Pierre does get frustrated at one point, again, he's never been this level of magnitude of a fight. And if he's embarrassed and his ego gets to him and his coach goes, we, we, we got to go out on our shield. You're just sitting back there getting picked apart. We're down three rounds. And Alex Pierre goes, fuck it. Let's do it. Rushes in. Is he going to start him? I, and so I, if I had to guess on this, I think that's what happened in the fight. Izzy starts him in the fourth or fifth round due to Alex Pierre in his corner going, we got to go on our shield. You're sitting back. You can pick the part. You're not fast enough. The technique's not there to match with him toe-to-toe. We got to start taking some chances. You take chances against Izzy. The reason why he's going to be the best middleweight of all time is because once you take chances, he takes advantage of that. Your momentum's coming forward. He's going to knock you out. I, I predict Izzy via knockout late in the rounds, fourth or fifth round. And that's because Alex is down on the cards and his corner tells him, go out on your shield. And then he gets finished. And then Izzy goes on. Now, the alternate to that, that a lot of you betters out there want to fancy is Alex Pierre is just going to do the same thing he did when they fought in kickbox and knock him out. Let's talk about it. Let's say <coughs> if you're an Izzy fan, <coughs> excuse me, don't be mad at my, uh, my uh, Norman cup there. That's right. <laughs> Norm McDonald Cup. So let's talk about why it's so short-sighted for the UFC to press Alex Pierre up in this championship fight. Well, let's say Alex Pierre does what some of you betters think, and Alex Pierre knocks Izzy out. Immediate rematch is he's held the the belt too long not to give a guy of his caliber immediate rematch. He's also, now that Nate Diaz is gone, Connor's on yachts, and he's out of the testing protocol, Alex is, I'm sorry, Izzy's also your biggest star. He's your biggest pay-per-view draw internationally and locally. He's big here. He's big everywhere. He connects as far as with the younger crowd, the older crowd. Everyone appreciates Izzy. So, you know, take a guy in Alex Pierre, doesn't speak great English, but looks like a monster. I don't know how many followers he has on Instagram. Not that matters, but the UFC does put uh, emphasis on that. So you're going to take a guy in Alex Pierre. You're going to rush him this title shot. He knocks out Izzy. You get an immediate rematch. Let's say for whatever reason, this weird mixed martial arts world that we live in, he ends up knocking Izzy out twice. So he has 500,000 followers. So let's say he ends up knocking out Izzy twice. Well, then what are you going to do? What are you going to do with the guy? Go to the top 10 in the middleweight division. Mm-hmm. So let's say he just has Izzy's number and Izzy just can't figure out. So A, you're ruining your biggest pay-per-view star, uh, hands down. So then uh, you give him Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker's background is he was going to be on the Australian national team for wrestling, so he can wrestle. So if anyone can wrestle at a high level, Alex Pierre is fucked, and we know this from earlier in his fights. And he also gets hit from time to time, even at the high-caliber uh, striking level that he's at. Again, he's not the most technical guy, 
But for the UFC standards, he's very high level. He's high level anyways, a K1 champion, glory champion. So, you know, to have that pedigree, he's going to be a high level striker, but he does take chances. He does get hit if you go back and watch the UFC fights. So let's say he beats Izzy twice. He's the champ. He's the face of middleweight division. Izzy has to go back to jump, go down the queue. So you look at any of the matchups. I would love to hear which matchup he's favored in. Let's go through his options. Robert Whitaker can wrestle, can also strike, has knockout power. Terrible matchup for Alex Pierre. The best matchup possible for Alex Pierre is Izzy because he will only stand with him, and that's saying a lot. Jerry Cannonier, big, can wrestle, beats him. Marvin Vittori, pressure, wrestles, beats him. Derek Brunson, wrestles, good cardio, beats him. Paulo Costa, maybe, because wrestling's not great, would be a fun matchup. Jack Hermanson can grapple his ass off. Darren Till would be a good fight. I, I would imagine if Darren Till wins, when's, when's Till's fight? December 10th, right? I don't know. I'll look. He had that eye injury. Better not fucking pull out. But um, Darren Till's a good matchup for Alex Pierre. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's a really good fight for Darren Till. Darren Till, uh, Alex Pierre is a fantastic fight. But again, go you go through those top seven or eight guys. All, all Alex Pierre is an underdog in every single one of those fights. It's very short-sighted. Very short-sighted. But I think the UFC is banking on uh, Izzy getting the win here. They're banking on this stoking the fire to get him out of his, as they say, safe uh, kind of mode he's in right now, which I disagree with. I think it's uh, more has to do with the guys that he's fighting. So um, I just think it's short-sighted. I know it, it's a, it's new blood, and this is a fun narrative to talk about, and Alex beat him previously and blah, 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 but I just I don't see it. I would rather Alex walk through some fire to get to uh, Izzy. That's really not how this should work, but here we are. But I think Izzy gets it done. What do you got, Jen? Alrighty. <clears throat> the reason why I went straight into the fights and didn't freaking play grab ass with you guys today is I have three shows today. I got this the shop show, I got Firing the Kid, and then I have a food truck with Aljamain Sterling. And then tomorrow we have Mike Perry food truck. Next week we have Paige. Yep. Hell yeah. We're doing the damn thing. I don't want you to you want to cover any of the, the fights this weekend, but the one that stands out to me the most is Neil Magny. Neil Magny. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Neil Magny set the record for most wins at welterweight, mm-hmm. and then he called out um, Gilbert Burns, which I think is a great fight. Did, did Burns respond? I'll see. I think he did. And what, did he get uh, uh, Rodriguez with a Darce stroke? Did he get him with a guillotine? Darce. Darce, hell yeah. He was the most underrated guy, one of the most underrated guys in the UFC. Let's see. Yep, congrats, no man. So I heard the UFC said I have an opponent for Brazil. If you don't show up, we can dance. I'm 100% to make this fight happen for now. Great finish, and congrats on your record. That's a big deal, dude. I wonder who the opponent is for Gilbert. In Brazil. And the UFC could easily switch that opponent. It's Gil, so it has to be a big name. I wonder who it is. That's a fun fight, though, and Neil deserves it. Especially if you can keep it standing. I'll see Jiu-Jitsu Neil's Achilles heel at a high, high level. Those guys, you know, he tends to have problems with them. He said Masvidal verbally agreed before. Jesus Christ. That's a huge That's fight. A big fight. If so, you're yeah. Gil, you definitely want to stick with Masvidal, mm-hmm. not Neil Magny. No, no disrespect to Neil Magny, but... Mazdal, that's a big old Cuban fish on the line. Um, okay, so during these fights as well, 
I guess this is the most that it's ever happened that people miss weight for the fights. So it was, it was five people at first, but then one girl eventually cut her hair and made, was able to make weight. Her hair was the beard? Yeah. What, what kind of hair did she have? Some dreads? She had some I feel dreads. like dreads are happy. I saw some dreads. In oh, it. is it dreads? Yeah. Yep. 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 I've and seen this way dude, too much first 48. It's the dreadlocks. Gets them every time. This homeboy cut like crazy. That <laughs> guy looks Nathan like Maness. he came straight out of a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. That guy is looking tough. And he goes on weight. On weight. Perfect. <laughs> Gonna die on weight. Yeah. Wow, five missed it. And then they pulled the heavyweight uh, fight off with my boy Chase Sherman because his opponent had some irregular heart. Do you hear about this? No. Right before the fight, they literally yanked it uh, right after Wayne's. Hit something with his heart. That sucks. So really six people didn't fight. But the, I'm sorry. Six missed weight. Five missed weight. Five missed one- weight. Then one had a heart issue. Oh, yeah, it's, so you're saying just fights that didn't Yeah, place. man, six fights had some issues. Five of those was because of weight. One cut their dreads. The dreads look heavy. Mm-hmm. They just look smelly. They look stinky. I don't. <laughs> they look stinky. On House of Dragons, there's a lot of dreads. A lot of dreads. I call bullshit. You have to put, like, wax in your hair to get those dreads and not wash it. Yeah. So your hair smells like hummus. That's got to be dreads, right? That's dreads, hundred okay. yeah, hundred percent. That's dreads, Jen. Yeah, that's a um, white girl with dreads, huh? Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, interesting. This is not a big deal, but we'll just go watch a quick video. This is um, bare knuckle, BKFC over the weekend. I guess one guy got uh, disqualified, and there was a bit of a brawl. And the guy, the main guy from uh, BKFC, the president, yeah, he got involved too. So I'll just hit it. it. Why did he get disqualified? Oh, and where's the, uh, oh, there you, oh. Yeah, you can't have that stuff. Damn, did that uh, president take him down? Yeah. So I'll just show you the. He shot a double? <laughs> Here's a slow motion of it. Oh, no, he just fell back. He didn't yeah. take him down, and then he fell down on top of him. He just wanted to stop it, because especially your bare knuckle. This is what people want, right? This meaning, like people are like, yeah, bare knuckle. These guys are barbarians. Look at him just fighting. So uh-huh. that's the last thing he wants. If you have sponsors and endorsement deals, last thing you want. This episode of the Shop Show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes I wish life came with a manual. I really do. I wish it came to a manual. Like, hey, if you're gonna make this decision, you should need help with this. You need to do this. All right. But unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. It just doesn't. So when it's not working for you and you're getting your way and your normal life, you feel stuck. Navigating any life's challenges can make you feel unsure with career change, a new relationship, becoming a parent, whatever it is. There's a lot going on in the world. And thank God for my friends at BetterHelp. BetterHelp has connected over three million people with licensed therapists, not your friends not your family we're talking about professional licensed therapists it's convenient it's accessible anywhere it's 100 online 100 online all right and i use better help i sometimes i've had to switch my therapist maybe i'm just not feeling one or maybe they're great but it's not a fit for me it's so easy to change i've done it a few times myself all right so uh as the world's largest therapy service better help has matched three million people with professionally licensed vetted therapists available 100 online plus it's affordable just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist if things are clicking like i told you guys you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime you want couldn't be easier 
No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. We got you, man. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash S-C-H-A-U-B. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash shop. After years of fine print contracting and ripped off by big wireless providers, which we've all been there, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, and I was like, oh, I see Ryan Reynolds on the commercials. Ryan Reynolds is a smart guy. What's he know? I thought there has to be a catch. But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. I was doing it. I was in Canada at my Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile's secret sauce that the, the first company to sell wireless service online only. Cuts out the middleman. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet, sweet savings directly to you. All right. These other services, there's always a catch. It's impossible to get out of. There's some fine print. You don't want to deal with any of that. Let the people that are giving back to the people help you out at Mint Mobile. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or the entire family. And at Mint, families start two lines. You two lines, man. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, high-speed data delivered on nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your contacts so it's not a whole hassle. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless starting at 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash that's Mint Mobile, M-I-N-T, mobile.com slash S-E-H-A-U-B. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash shop. This episode of the Shop Show is also brought to you by the best nootropics on the planet. Nootropics are so hot right now. You're like, yeah, I don't know which ones to use. What do I do? We'll use the one that you've probably heard about. You heard your friends talk about. You heard your coworkers talking about. You're driving to work. You're like, man, I wish my brain was more fired up. I wish I could form better sentences like Joe Rogan. I listen to his podcast all the time. Wish I could talk to him. Wish I could talk like him. Well, I'm here to let you in on a little secret. Joe Rogan swears by uh, on its alpha brain, the best nootropic on the planet. Gets you in that flow state, helps you focus on the task at hand. It's caffeine-free. Here's how confident Onnit is in the nootropic alpha brain. They're so confident, money back guaranteed. Oh, you don't like it? You don't like talking like Joe Rogan or Elon Musk? Cool, man. Send us, you get your money back. You don't have to send it back. Go ahead and keep the bottle. Do what you want with it. Give it to your friends who are going to appreciate it. Don't devalue on it. How dare you? You can keep the bottle and then maybe you come around and then we don't have to worry about it. But you can save 10% off by going to onit.com slash shop, S C H A B. You get 10% off not only on it, uh, Alpha Brain, but you also get 10% off everything on that site protein bars, warrior bars, protein powder, creatine, fish oil, multivitamins, workout gear, steel club maces, kettlebells. Whatever you want, battle rope, battle ropes, we got it all, man. Onnit.com slash shop, 10% off. Or you can pick up Alpha Brain at your local Walmart, or you can help your boy out. Avoid going to Walmart and help me out. It's a win-win. Onnit.com slash shop, 10% off the entire site, especially Alpha Brain. Now for reals. Let's get back to the program, Jen. Uh, you know what? Wild thing you see in uh, Multiple knuckle? headbutts. That's the reason why he was disqualified. And he kept headbutting him? <laughs> I guess so. Well, yeah, it's frowned upon. Good for him for doing that nice little takedown. Mm-hmm. All right, so this was Dude, a- this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. My, my boy Nick Davis, who's the ultimate better, got wind of this early on, 
and he goes, "Hey man, I'm sure you're covering uh, the the Derek uh, Minor fight, mm-hmm. Minor fight stuff." That's it. And I go, uh, "What's going on with it?" So me and Nick chatted about it. So if you haven't heard yet, so uh, during UFC uh, Vegas 64 this past weekend, Derek Minor fell to Jesus Christ. I know this name is Shailon. tough. We're calling him Shay Shay. He fell to Shay Shay. Derek Minor fell to Shay Shay. First round technical knockout. And the hours lead this where it gets interesting. So get your mind right if you're listening, driving to work right now. And the hours leading up to the fight, sports books watched as a flood of money came in from betters on Shay Shay. <laughs> and not just the money line on Shay Shay, but the Chinese import to win in fewer than two and a half rounds. So that means not only were they betting on Shay Shay, they're betting that he's going to get a finish under two and a half rounds. Mm-hmm. So even Shay Shay to win by knockout in the first round, right? Um, so much action came in on Shay Shay, aka Wolverine, that he moved from a minus two twenty favorite to minus four twenty favorite. So just so you guys know, the way this works is whenever the money line moves big time on better, there's a commission out there that goes, "Hmm, we should look into this," because this this isn't like a high level fight right i shouldn't say i made a mistake let me back up this isn't a big name it this isn't a high magnitude fight this isn't a two famous fighters so when a random guy named shay shay wolverine goes from a minus 20 to minus 420 favorite literally an hour before the fight then the legal investigation team of betting goes something's going on here this isn't right so uh, that alerts these investigators uh, into betting to open an investigation to see what's going on here. I'll tell you what I think happened, but I'll tell you the rumor mill. Hmm. So keep going, Chin. So um, our goal is always is to notify the industry of any potential uh, abnormal or suspicious activity as soon as possible so they can take action as quickly as possible. The U.S. Integrity President Matthew Holt says to ESPN, in this case, we hope that by sending a couple – we hope by we hope that by sending a couple hours before the fight started, we may have helped prevent some more suspicious bets from getting through. Mm-hmm. While it looks like Miner's injury uh, leaked from his camp in the hours leading up to the fight, there's added complication that the Nebraskan coach by James Cruz, Kraus, who shout to James Kraus, mm-hmm. fantastic coach, the same James Kraus who runs a betting pick <laughs> service, complete with a podcast. I think it's called One Percent. Shout to his podcast, One Percent. Uh, Discord server for paying members. In the past, he said that he makes more money from gambling UFC than he ever did fighting. And then remember that little thing that came out with the UFC saying that if you are a fighter or your team member, or whatever, you can't bet on fights. So and, for him, a coach. But um, he said he could. If he well, he's retired, exchange. but he's a coach. Yeah, he's a coach. Yeah, that's like Dusty Baker betting on Houston Astros. I'm not even the biggest Astros fan. I'm just in Houston this weekend, so come see me Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm actually a Phillies fan. Yeah, I like uh, Bryce Harper, but they lost, and Houston cheats all the time. But still, see you soon, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Houston. Uh, so this is at Man of the Library, but James Krause is still actively bet on fights and bragging about it. He's also bet on bouts involving fighters that he coaches. That's where it gets dicey. Yeah. He asks people for their accounts to make bets and manipulate markets with a 100% win guarantee. How can one guarantee 100% win in the UFC? Then James Krause says, none at all. I'm not a UFC fighter anymore. Then uh, this guy, Beast Like 119, shout out to Beast Like 119. Well, I know you're retired, but wasn't sure if they were going to come at the teams too. But then again, I don't know how they can even do that, but great news. Uh, 
and James Cross, but nah, we good. Yeah. You know, I said, nah, we good. I like urbaned it up a little there for you guys. He just put, nope, we're all good. Um, ew, that's dicey being a coach bet on the fights. Mm. And this guy put, I am in his paid gambling group, and I don't feel like any, if anything like what you described is happening. He gives out his picks usually later on Friday afternoon, and that's it. I don't think there's any pumping or dumping going on. Anywho, um, yeah, this is what I think is going on. I think, uh, yes, James Krause is a head coach of a very successful team, and obviously makes a lot of money giving picks and betting because he's a great expert when it comes to UFC and mixed martial arts, so he's probably somebody you should listen to. Um I would probably not bet on the guys that are from his camp, right? Because obviously he's going to be a little biased there. And I would assume, too, he never picks against his fighters. Can you imagine if he was a fighter? You're like, what the? F Dude, you said I was going to lose in under two and a half rounds? The fuck? Yeah. You know, so that gets a little dicey. That, that gets a little cloudy judgment there. Um, but I, what I think happened is uh, Kraus knew that um, Minor had a pretty bad injury. Mm -hmm. And this is where we're this gray area. I don't think it's that gray. I think it's kind of poor taste to leak the news that the guy has a knee injury that's training your camp and to tell others to bet on his opponent, Shay Shay the Wolverine. Uh, I don't think anything illegal happened here, right? Yeah, but that's still a guess. Too, it's a gray year. It's very gray. It's gray. When I say gray, I mean it's dark, right? <laughs> it's dark, dark gray, dark gray matter here. Um, if I'm uh, the crew, I would probably stay away from that one. Um, you know, yeah, what do you think? And listen, James Cruz is a great guy, too. That's the other thing. If he was like a sleazebag, I'd be like, oh, this is some bullshit. But he's a really good dude, and he's a great coach, got, knows his picks, making a living, more makes more money off picking bets and betting on fighters than he does coaching and fighting the UFC. Do you have a problem with it, Chin? I can see how people do. I don't know what really happened, though, so I don't know. So let me ask this, Chin. So would you have a problem if Dusty Baker, right? He's the old, I think he's 74, oldest coach to ever win a World Series. He's He, he had like 2,000-something wins before he won a World Series as a manager. He takes over Houston, who's notoriously known for cheating, right? Got busted, whatever. Still a goddamn good team, and I don't think they cheated this one, but it's fun to talk about it. So let's say Dusty Baker, the manager, right? So Dusty Baker would be the same things as James Cruz, Krause, right? And Krause. So Dusty Baker, would you have any issue if Dusty Baker, uh, he knew, let's say, uh, uh, his star pitcher was injured, and you found out Dusty Baker was telling people to bet on the Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies? If he if he knew and he was actually betting against the guy because he was injured, then I would say that's pretty shady. Now I, I'm going to give James Krause uh, a bit of a, a you know lead share on this, where I think he probably told some of his close friends, right? Uh, loose lips sink ships. Mm -hmm. He probably told a couple of close friends, "Hey, Miner's knees way worse than we thought, so bet on the other guy." Probably told some of his close friends. Loose lips sink ships, and his close friends started, you know, telling other people. And you know how much money would have to go on that money line to actually change from minus two twenty to four twenty. Yeah, so a ton of people. Would so a ton of people got in on, or, or some jackass got on line on whatever site he's on or on his social media, and then it really gets traction. Mm -hmm. So I don't think like James Krause was like, "Hey, everybody, miner's leg super fucked up. 
bet against the other guy. That's my pick of the week. Like that would be ridiculous. Of course, yeah. of course he's not that stupid. He's he's a good dude. Great coach too. So I think he told a few close friends, and then this and then this happens. You know, it's awesome. definitely great. It's a gray area. I don't know what the UFC is going to do because if you tell James Krause you can't bet on the fights for your coach guys, can it? it, it it's a gray area because if I'm James Krause, I go cool. I just won't corner guys anymore. You can't say I can't coach them, or they can just say I'll still coach them like I always do. They'll put somebody else down on paper as their head coach. I'm still going to help them game plan stuff like that and train out my gym, and, and I'm still going to bet. So I'm James Cross. I'm making that much money off betting. Mm-hmm. I'm not just going to give that up. Yeah, but I'm like, just, I'm like, prove it. Yeah, I help him get ready for fights. I'm left their head coach. Put that in the contract. He could just help his buddies to bet for him. Simple as that. No, they're not going to be able to track that. We can't tell your buddies to bet. Well, he could say, "All right, I'm done betting," but I, but they can't say you can't even recommend. Right? I mean, just don't tell anyone, and just. I mean, don't tell any of the authorities, but you tell your buddies, hey, bet on this, and then you guys get... Yeah, but you're not going to make money doing that, so he has to still keep his show 1%, right? So he can say, all right, uh, UFC notifies me, I'm actually out, Uh, I'm I'm no longer personally betting on the fights, although I'm sure maybe he has a profile like whatever, you know, (laughs) rank D, you know, fucking dreadlock boy or whatever he wants to go by. He can still bet under that weird anonymous account, but he can't officially bet. It's not like the UFC can put an umbrella and go... If you train in the gym with a professional fighter, you can't bet. If you train with anybody and they're in the UFC and you help them out in any capacity, you can't bet on fights. There's no way. You can't do the umbrella. How far is that going to go? Then nobody in the gym can bet anymore? Yeah. There's no way. So James Grass, listen, it's gray. It's murky. I don't think you did anything bad here. I think you told a few couple dumb friends who blasted out. Now he's in this situation and now they're risking his business. But he should be able to be smart, be able to maneuver around this he's still a good dude great guy listen to his picks not mine all right did you know mark hunt fought over the weekend i Boxing? sure did i sent to rogan <laughs> i said dude he's 40 how old is he 48 48 his opponent is 37 undefeated 37 undefeated it's not like he fought some bum mm-hmm. and dude he lights this dude up yeah. the highlight is fantastic Great body shot. That the body shot hurt him. Mm-hmm. And man, this is boxing, kids. And this guy was light, lighting him up too. That guy's jacked. Mm-hmm. They got. He looks like if you if you're only watching this as he's driving to work, he looks like Anthony Joshua, but from New Zealand. <laughs> Imagine Anthony Joshua, but if he grew up surfing and killing fish. Rocks him there. The guy's rocked. Boom! 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 That's Mark Hunt, daddy. Yeah, it's super cool to see. At 48. You know, I was supposed to fight Mark Hunt after he fought Bigfoot Silva. Remember that? I think Bigfoot or someone, uh, not Mark, but I think Bigfoot tested positive. But it was, it's regarded before that kind of black eye on that fight where Bigfoot tested positive. It was regarded as like the best heavyweight fight of all time. Roots of Fight made shirts, greatest heavyweight fight of all time. But then that came out so they had to pull the shirts, I think. So if you got one, hang on yeah. to it. And then after that fight, I was on a win streak. I forget how it was, but me and Mark uh, Hunt started talking shit to each other on Twitter. And then he DM'd me, he goes, you really want to do this? I said, I'm down, man. I was like, I'm just going to take this fucking behemoth down and try and finish him, which is easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But um, going back and forth, 
And the UFC sent me a contract for somebody else. I go, well, no. I, I was texting Dana. I go, no, me and Mark literally agreed to fight. And to Dana's defense, he goes, that's not really how it works. You guys don't create your own fights, and we just put the contracts together. I was like, yeah, I, I know, but he said he would fight me. He goes, cool, dude. We don't give a fuck. We have somebody else in mind for you. I'm like, all right, that makes sense. I'm an idiot. I also do that with Verdum, too. Me and Verdum were supposed to fight. We agreed to fight. He was like, I'll fight you. Anyway, I'll fight you on the moon. I was like, oh, that's a terrible <laughs> matchup for me. Everdoom yeah, was legit. Oh, my God. I, I, he's better at everything. <laughs> it was such a nightmare. That's how, you know, that's how fucking uh, when you're a fighter, man, you get this weird arrogance about you. That was a nightmare. Thank God the UFC was like, what? No, bitch. You're fighting somebody else. Cool. That would have been cool to see you and Hunt, though. Like, honestly. <laughs> I, I wanted to fight, but me and Hunt were like, talking shit to each other on uh i was making fun of like his cardio and how slow he was and i was like, i'm just gonna take you down and rip your fucking neck off you know just whatever bullshit but on dm's like hey man huge fan here <laughs> you know it'd be an honor to fight he's like i get it boss i get it man he's like we gotta sell the fight he's like i'm down tell ufc to sign the contract i'm like you tell him he's like i don't talk to him and he's always you know he has the mark hunt's fight as and the ufc needs to be careful because as you know, badass of as Mark Hunt is, and you're talking, dude, Mark Hunt, you're talking about like a real OG, like as tough as they mm -hmm. get, probably top five toughest guys to ever enter the out. A real, I know everyone say, get, you know, Homs like gangster, Nate Diaz gangster, shut the fuck up. Mark Hunt is a legit hard nosed gangster when it comes to fighting. Not, I'm not talking about illegally and that the dark arts and the mafia and trafficking. No, no drug trafficking, you know, and shaking people down. I'm just talking about when you talk about gangster, Mark hunt is your poster boy. There's nobody tougher than Mark fucking hunt. When Mark hunt has a mission, he's going to get it done. Mark hunts mission is to fight the UFC. Cause remember he opened up that lawsuit against the UFC and I think it's still ongoing. I know he's taking some L's cause again, this is a money thing. So the UFC is this powerhouse. They're never going to run out of money. So they're going to fight this to the day they die. But Mark Hunt is putting up the good fight. Because remember, the UFC had Mark Hunt fight Brock Lesnar, knowing Brock Lesnar was on extra sauce and allowed that fight to carry on. Knowing damn well, Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Brock Lesnar was on sauce. So that's Mark Hunt's argument, right? Yeah. But um, the UFC, anybody out there, we're too loosey goosey with the term gangster. Hamzat gangster, Nate Diaz gangster. Nobody, and I know Nate Diaz has all those great quotes, and it's it's fun to do and stuff like that. And Conor McGregor and his ties to that stuff. When I tell you, nobody is more. If I had to have somebody in my foxhole, you listed all those guys. Mark Hunt would be my first choice. The only problem is it's gonna be a tight fit in that foxhole <laughs> with me and him in there. It's gonna be two thickies in that foxhole. Mark Hunt is a massive man. Mark Hunt is top five toughest human beings to ever exist in combat sports and you just saw what he did against an undefeated boxer he still has it you know so his his chip on his shoulder with the ufc the ufc is messing with a different quote-unquote gangster it's not the guy you want to upset man he's a real one legend straight up fucking legend from the pride days k1 i mean dude scary mother trucker man yeah, his comeback in the UFC was insane. It was awesome. Remember, he, he was losing. Uh, he remember he came over the UFC and it was rough. He came over. Hold on, let me see if uh, if if I've CT or not. He came over the UFC. Remember, he got uh, key locked by Mitrione's boy, 
He got key locked early on. I forget the guy's name. You know, like a go to Mark Hunt's mm-hmm. a record. Funny guy too. Remember Mitch? He's friends with Mitchell and, and Josh Barnett. I can't remember his name right now. Sean McCorkle. Oh, that dude. Okay, remember Sean yeah, McCorkle? Yeah, yeah. Super tall guy, big guy. Dude, how about this? He lost by a straight armbar to Gay Garden Musasi. I know that's insane. Super Hulk Grand Prix and Dream in freaking Japan, dude. Ooh, he had a tough stretch. <laughs> so he lost to Josh Barnett. So, th- but this is my thing, you know. I, I, I think at the time I was like a high level brown belt, right? I was feeding myself in jitsu. I was submitting guys, submitting Mitrione. Was open for Mark Hunt. Um, remember, so they give him Josh Barnett and Pride. Oh, the Pride days, dude. This was the open weight Grand Prix uh, quarterfinal. Josh Josh Barnett beats him uh, via Kimura. Then he gets Fedor. For the Pride Heavyweight Championship, he gets Fedor. Fedor, eight minutes in the first round. Remember, the first round was 10 minutes, right? Was it 10 or 15 minutes? 10, 10, yeah. yeah. So uh, this is 2006. Pride Crucial Countdown, literally, I think, the golden age of fighting. There's nothing better, man, than those Pride days with mm-hmm. those fucking foreign superstars all sauced up. So it's Mark Hunt. And remember, Mark Hunt's. Never been, never touched a needle, hates needles, was clean this entire time. One of the only guys ever clean throughout Pride. One of the only guys clean. Now, I, when I go over this record, there's not one guy on there that I'm going to go over uh, over his dream record that I could say was actually clean. Maybe Gegard Musasi outside that. Ready for this? Love the guy. Lost to Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett's been busted several mm-hmm. times for PDs. He was submitted by him uh, via Kamara. Then Fedor goes, oh, you have problems with Kimura? Now, also, to Mark Hunt's defense, he only has, going into that Josh, he's fighting Josh Barnett, the who's who. Now, going into that fight, he only has seven mixed martial arts fights. His third fight ever was against a guy, maybe you've heard of him, Vanderlei Silva. His third fight ever. And mixed martial arts was against Vanderlei Silva in Pride. He won that split decision over Vanderlei Silva. Then they go, cool story, dude. Here's Mirko Krokop. Now, this isn't the Mirko Krokop Brendan knocked out in the third round in New, in New Jersey. This is 2005. Tip of the spear, Mirko Krokop. And Mark Hunt has, ready for this? Four fights at the time. He beats him via split decision. So, I, dude. I don't know, and I'm so glad we stumbled upon this. I don't know if there's anybody with four fights, and in their four fights, their third fight was Vanderlei Silva, and their fucking fourth fight was Mirko Krokop. Insane, dude. Nutsos, right? So he beats him. He goes in pride. He wins one, two, three, four, five in a row. Then you go, okay, cool story. Here's the Pride Open Weight Grand Prix, which those open weights were so much fucking fun. Right? Uh, Shogun 1 1. Remember that? They're fantastic. Yeah. It's just, that's real fighting at the highest level. Those days, the shoot boxing days, the, the Hammer House gym, all that shit. I love that stuff. Yeah. It's like uh, uh, when bodybuilding had Arnold Schwarzenegger and all those dudes, and they're at Gold's doing the thing, hanging out with their shirts off and short shorts, and it's about fighting money, chicks, the real Wild West days. Mm-hmm. So, he gets Vandalay Silva with the, he only has three fights. Mirko Krokop is his fourth fight. Vintage Vandalay, vintage Mirko. He wins four in a row. I'm sorry, five in a row in Pride. Then they go, cool story. Now we're going to throw you to the big boys. Josh Barnett gets submitted first round. 
Fedor submitted same thing, Kamara first round. Uh, then he fights Alistair Overeem. Now, I'd love to hear which one of these guys is clean, by the way, as we're so going far. through this. All right. Now, remember, Vandalay Merck. Oh, okay. Josh Barnett. Okay. Fedor, teach the row. I know his body doesn't look like much, but the gun to the head, I'd probably say he's on things. Fedor in 2006, vintage Fedor. Loses him via Kamara. And then he gets Alistair Overeem. Alistair Overeem, although mainly people know him as a uh, you know elite striker, the boy can grapple his ass off. He wins key lock. So he gets Kamurad, and then he gets key lock. Clearly has an issue with jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. And then they give him Melvin Manoof, Dynamite Pride 2008. And he gets, uh, he gets knocked out in 18 seconds. That's how much of a badass Melvin Manhoof was. And then the Pride guys go, oh, man, that's a shame uh, you lost to Josh Barnett, Fedor, Alistair Overeem, and Melvin. And then uh, I'm sure Mark was like, can I get a drug test? They go, shut your mouth. And then here's – and now his record gets a little salty because he's 5-5 five and five after the Melvin knockout. And then he, they fight Gegard Musasi, and Gegard goes – uh, you struggle jiu-jitsu, check out this straight arm bar. And Gegard Musasi arm bars Mark Hunt, who has two fire hydrants for arms. Not long, very strong. He gets submitted in Dream 9 in the first round. All he finishes by submissions are in the first round, right off the bat, besides the knockout over Melvin. Then the UFC acquires Pride, right? They get uh, Mark Hunt, who they weren't crazy about, but they had to take him on because he's still out of contract. They give him Sean McCorkle, Sean McCorkle in the first round, again, straight armbar. I always thought it was a key lock. I don't know why I'm thinking armbar. I don't know. That's strange. But then uh, Mark's on the verge of getting cut. They give him Chris Tushisher. Now, this is where me and um, Mark Hunt have similar opponents because I also fought Chris Tushisher uh, around that time. I think uh, quite a bit after this. So his record's five and seven going to the Chris Tusher fight. The UFC's going to cut him. They give him Chris Tusher. Sure. If you don't know Chris Tusher, he wrestled at North Dakota, I think. He was the best friends and main training partners with Brock Lesnar. Real savage. First team, all ugly. This dude's grill. He looked like a bad guy from every James Bond movie you've ever seen. His just When God was giving out looks, he was dead last in line. His teeth are a fucking tragedy. His teeth look like a Japanese Japan city skyline. It is a mess. When God was doing his teeth, he went, he took a break. And went, well, hold on, what'd you say? Let me get back to this. And then just skipped a few teeth. Look at him. He does look like a villain. He don't he look like a bad yeah. guy? The nicest guy, though. Yeah. The nice guy. And his record was nutsos going to the UFC. Nutsos. Hmm. I think his record was like 20 and 2. Something stupid. I did not want to fight that guy, but I ended up fighting him. <laughs> Um, so they give Mark Hunt, Chris Tusher, Mark Hunt knocks him fucking silly in his home in Australia, right? That's in his backyard. Then they give him Ben Rothwell. Now what happens about this? I did not know we're going to do this Mark Hunt deep dive, but I, I'm here for it. He fights Ben Rothwell. His record's six and seven. He fights Ben Rothwell at UFC 135 at the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado. Oh, it, it might have been at Broomfield event center where I had most of my uh, fights before I got in the UFC. So Broomfield, they do the UFCs there. So they put Ben Rothwell, veteran, versus Mark Hunt, veteran. 
the UFC refuses to do heavyweight fights at a high altitude, especially in Denver, Colorado. They said, we will never do a heavyweight fight again in Denver, Colorado due to the altitude because of Ben Rothwell and Mark Hunt. They just, you know, it was like, we thought it was going to be gangbusters. It's one of the worst fights you've ever Slowly. seen. So he somehow edged out a victory over Ben Rothwell. So he's won two now. Can't hold the, the the high altitude Denver fight against them, even though I had no issues with it. Well, not a big deal. He's the, These guys are better than me. So then they give him Chuck Congo, two strikers. This is in Japan. Big boy fight. He knocks out Chuck Congo. And then what I think is the most disrespectful knockout of all time, Stefan Struve, because he's seven foot, when he gets knocked out, it just looks bad. Like if you're a hunter, you see a hunter shoot a deer, it's whatever. You see a, a hunter even shoot an elephant because they have low leverage to the ground, it's whatever. When you see a hunter shoot a giraffe, there's something so disrespectful because the giraffe's neck and everything, it all comes down like Twin Towers. It's just a nightmare. So he knocks out Struve, nightmare. They give him Junior Dos Santos. Shout out to Junior Dos Santos. Spinning uh, hook kick was ridiculous, fight of the night, right? Mm -hmm. And then he gets Bigfoot Silva, Antonio Silva, in 2013. It was fight of the night in Australia. It goes to a, a draw. It turned out to be a draw. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that it is the greatest heavyweight fight yeah. of all time. But then slowly as the fight, you know, aged like fine wine, you find out Silva result was changed to no contest due to a failed post-drug fight uh, drug test. So while Hunt's remained a majority draw. So really, this should go to Hunt. Then they give him Roy Nelson, who has the greatest uh, chin of all time. I know from experience. He's tough to put away. Roy Nelson uh, gets knocked out with an uppercut, and it's knockout of the year. When's knockout of the year in 2014? That's vintage Roy Nelson, man. And after that, it gets a little dicey for him. He gets Fabricio Verdum, and that was in Mexico City, remember? Um, and Mexico City, again, high altitude. I don't know why they keep putting my boy Mark Hunt in high altitude. Mexico City so fucking high. He gets Verdum there. That's a fantastic fight. Then they give him Stipe. He loses to Stipe. That's when Stipe starts off on his fucking tangent and uh, becomes world champion. Then they give him Antonio Silva. Um, yeah, they give him Bigfoot Silva again, and Bigfoot Silva uh, gets knocked out this time. So that ends that. And then he fights our boyfriend, Mir, mm -hmm. which is uh, not nice, and he knocks Mir out. So he's on, you know, his legend is building. Then they give him Brock Lesnar, UFC 200, one of the biggest UFCs of all time. It was originally a unanimous decision win for Brock Lesnar. Remember he just wrestled him? You remember that fight? Refused to stand with him? He was terrified. You've never seen a dude as big as Brock Lesnar more terrified to engage in a fight than his fight against Mark Hunt. Boring fight. You'll see 200. Huge disappointment. You had, uh, you had Anderson DC on the fight. Remember that? Because Jones was supposed to be on it, but but uh, fell out. Remember that? Yeah. So you had uh, Amanda Nunes. You had uh, Misha Tate, Lesnar Hunt, Cormier, Silva, Aldo, Frank Edgar, too. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous card. Remember they had that weird orange mat that looked like shit. Uh, so poor, um, poor Mark Hunt. And that's why he has his lawsuit with the UFC. They knew the, that Brock Lesnar was just juiced to the gills and allowed him to fight uh, the legend Mark Hunt, and he hates that. And then the UFC goes, okay, cool. Here's uh, Alistair over. Alistair knocks out with a vicious fucking knee. Then remember they give him Derek Lewis, which we thought was gonna be a great fight. He knocks him out in the fourth round. That's in New Zealand. Here's the thing, you don't want to fight Mark Hunt in anywhere near Australia. New Zealand, Australia, you gotta fight him at high altitude for God's sakes. 
Then after that, it gets dicey. They gave him Curtis Blades, awful matchup for him. Alex Olenek, awful matchup for him. And then Justin Willis was his last one. Deep dive on the yeah. gangster Mark Hunt. That was shout, cool. Shout out to Mark Hunt. That was fun. I remember they wanted to pay him to leave. He's like, no, he's going to fight out his contract. And then he started killing it. Few guys, yeah. Same thing when the, the UFC acquired Strike Force. They got a lot of their fighters because their contracts they had to obey to, mm-hmm. even though they took over the, the identity that was, you know, Strike Force when they took over Pride because, you know, Monopoly, right? It's Monopoly. And so they would just acquire Pride, which I think was a huge mistake. They should have left Pride where it's at and just build it professionally like they did in the UFC and they'd have a massive draw over there because remember I mean in in Australia the you know uh, Whitaker Adesanya is the biggest gate of all time so they still have some of those big shows showcases like that but dude when you're talking about the Tokyo Superdome when, when they're fighting Japan when they're in Ch- and they're trying in China now it, it's so short side where if they would have left pride and because the the Asian market knew pride they love pride. Mm. The American market loved pride. The hardcore still swear by it. You say pride is dead, you might get shot, dude. That's why I get so much hate. I fought pride guys. I fought Noguera. I fought Crow Cop. I knocked out Crow, Crow Cop. Then Noguera got me. Your boy's one and one. All right? One and one against pride. Pride is dead. Pride died when the UFC fucking took it over. Not because of me. Pride died when the UFC took them and then did their thing. But yeah, Mark Hunt, the point of this entire rant. Is that Mar- you guys are too loose with the term gangster? Mark Hunt's a real gangster, yeah. and you guys should fucking bow to his feet. <laughs> he fought everybody, everybody, and he helps guys out too now. Hmm. Um. Alrighty. So this is a random deep dive on Mark Hunt, huh? Yeah. You guys weren't ready for that. The I prior days. Was, I remember the prior days when you watched those. I think it was VHS at that time, but when you see the shows, they look like amazing production that the closest huge. thing we have to is one championship now the person that uh does the production for pride is the head producer for one championship ah. that's why i see a lot of common themes there as far as like production goes and like experience pride was the best of all time UFC's still not there i mean when izzy walks out or there's something it's still great or when connor did it was right there but as far as doing it for every fight night after night one championship's closest thing we'd have to pride I went to Pride when uh, Fedor fought uh, uh, Mark Coleman. Yeah, actual. I went. I was front row. What? You can see me on some of the uh, highlights when they shit because my buddy uh, Joe Klopfenstein just he was new, new. Oh, you rich, rich, and he had that new money because he's drafting the. Uh, he was the first pick in the second round for the Rams. Me and him were obsessed with Pride, and so he bought uh, front row tickets. That they were six hundred bucks at that time was all the money in the world. I remember me and him bought suits and sat in the front row, and we looked like two assholes. Everybody else was in, like, tap-out affliction shirts, and we are in two suits in the front row. And we are right uh, – we are ringside. Because remember, they found a ring in Pride, and we are right where they'd walk, walk out. And we'd try to – we bought – I forget what merch I bought. I think I bought a Fedor shirt, but it would go like this. You think Travis Scott's merch hard to get? Pride back in the day, vintage Pride when they first came, it was the first fight ever in America, first and last fight in America. That merch, bro, you would have thought it was that Diana, uh, Princess Diana, uh, pink beanie baby. That shit, the lines to get it, people were fighting each other. I, I think I bought like a medium shirt just to get my hands on it. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah. If the UFC wasn't so short side, man, leave Pride, leave the brand of Pride out there. They do a super fight, Pride versus UFC. You still have the Asia market. 
What mm-hmm. do I know, though? Yeah, they were going to do it. Okay, so. Speaking of pride, you have Anna Silva. Remember, Anna Silva, pride guy. Yeah, and then. Uh, and wanted to retire, and Big Nog talked him out of it. Do you remember Real Chonin? Too high, yeah. He, he, he did that flying arm bar on Silva. That was yeah, pretty crazy bro. pride. Yeah. Um, all right, so Jake Paul was on Logan Paul's po- podcast, Impulsive, and he was talking about how he feels the numbers weren't as good as they should have been because of, he has a theory about this. He made some great points. You know, you can say what you want about Jake Paul, but when it comes to selling fights and ticket sales and then also fighter pays, not much you can hate on about. But this makes all the sense, and I agree with him in so many uh, reasons here. He makes some great points. So he goes, the pre-buys were going crazy, um, up, up, and up. And on Wednesday when the news came out, uh, about Anderson saying that he got knocked out or whatever. So remember, he's referring to Anderson in the pre-fight. Uh, Some interview. Uh, no, it was, a, uh, it was the pre-fight. Um, press conference? Press conference. So in the press conference, they go, are you ready for this fight? And Silva goes, I'm so ready for it. And I think it's a language barrier thing. He goes, I'm so ready for it. I've been training so hard. I have the best training partners to get ready for this fight. I've been knocked out, what he said, three times in the training okay. camp. Problem is when you do that, the commission says, come again? And they start looking into things. It was like when Kane was like, oh, "I'm having head issues." Remember that? Then Kane and Mark Hunt were like, we're, I'm, "I'm having some memory issues." The UFC, it's too much of a liability. I don't care who you are. So um, he c- continues on up, up, and up. And Wednesday, when the news came out, Anderson saying they got knocked out, whatever, in the press conference, the fight was in jeopardy, and all the this press came out. It was all over. Like I remember people texting me because remember we're doing a fight campaign uh, for Jake Paul in uh, Calabasas. Remember that? Um, so we have, yeah, we had Frank Mir and Jesse on fire coming with Sam Tripoli. All three of them texted me this. I found out to go, Hey man, I don't think the fight's going down. I guarantee it goes down. They go, no, Anderson said he got knocked out in training. I'm like, no, it's a language thing. He, he's just trying to, he's trying to convey to the audience that I took this so serious. I just didn't, you know, this isn't a payday. I'm here to win. I'm, I'm training so hard. I'm going so hard in the paint. I'm fighting against good guys. They knocked me out. He messed up. He didn't think it was a big deal. That news goes everywhere right before the fight. So that was Thursday, Friday, right before the fight. When most of your pay-per-view buys happen, right? They don't happen days prior. They happen literally Thursday, Friday, and then day of are the biggest. So for this come out Thursday, Friday, completely fucks Jake. So um, gets knocked over and the fight was in jeopardy and all this press came out. The pre-buys tanked all the way down. The general public sees that and is like, oh, it's not happening. And these are his great points. Tommy Fury pulled out. That had nothing to do with Jake. That's a Tommy Fury thing. Uh, Rockman Jr. pulled out. Remember that? That's a Rockman thing. That's not a Jake thing. But Jake's the biggest name, so it's a, it becomes the narrative on Jake that the fights aren't falling through. Um, so he, then he goes, oh, and Jake fucking Paul can't get an event together. This is done. It killed ticket sales. Boom, boom, boom. We're still selling tickets that day. Everything went to zero. I think we'll probably go around 200 to 300K, which is kind of upsetting. Now... 200 to 300 K isn't the end of the world, especially for him, but to the level that he's at. Yeah, that's not great. And did, does it have the other stuff he talks about? Also here it is. This is now as a comic too, there's a time there's a, there's a sweet spot to sell tickets. So right now it's like the on season for comics. The summer's the off season. Um, but you're competing with a lot of stuff. So if you're going to play Vegas or you're going to play somewhere, you want to check what's going on in that city that's going to compete with your tickets. Especially for me, if it's if there's a big UFC in town, I'll make sure we look. You know, the UFC, thank God, announced their dates previous. You know, to they coming to town, so people can buy tickets and they can market it. 
But let's say the UFC was in, where am I assume? Let's say the UFC was in Houston this weekend and they're doing a big paper, like a major paper. If it's a fight night, bring it on. But if it's a pay-per-view, I'm, I'm canceling my date. I'm not competing with it. We have a similar fan base, right? 18 to 44 males. They're also in the UFC, right, with my background. So it's going to affect my ticket sales. There's certain things that you have to be privy to, my team has to be privy to before we book venues. It, there's more that goes into it than me just going, book Houston this weekend. You have to look through everything because you're competing with so much now, and it's inflation. There's a lot that goes into it. So he makes a great point here, and this is how you know Jake Paul's becoming a master of promotion when he says this stuff. This is what I like. He put Halloween, World Series, Sunday football. This is the worst time of year to fight. Uh, but guess what? I had to fight. All my fights from now on will be in the summer. There's no sports, so he's not competing with anything. He's not trying shooting the spotlight with Tom Brady, the World Series, who knows what God else they have going on. The UFC obviously had a fight uh, too, but it was a little different. But um, he goes, this is the worst time you to fight, but guess what? I had to fight all my fights from now on will be in the summer. There's no sports. There's like this perfect gap in July, early August, which is the worst time for comics because every kids aren't in school. Parents have to get babysitters um, for comics too. People are traveling, so they might not be in town. There's a lot that goes into it. Worst time to do stand-up unless you're an outlier like a Tim Dillon, Kevin Hart, um, you know, Joe Rogan, unless you're a major outlier, then none of this stuff matters. But if ticket sales matter to you and you're on the fringe of selling out or half capacity, you really got to pay attention to this stuff. It, to me, it's interesting. And there's nobody that knows ticket sales better than Burt Kreischer. For whatever reason, he has his black belt in selling tickets, prices, venues. I talk to Burt before I do anything usually. He's the mastermind of it. Um, so he goes, I had to fight, which those two fights fell out, right? Um uh, and by the way, all my other fights were during COVID when no one had anything to do, anything to watch. Mm -hmm. I had to fight this year. I just had to get it fucking done. I'm sick and tired of waiting around. Kudos to him. Not only did he have to fight, but he had to fight fucking Anderson Silva, his toughest fight, which should have been the most pay-per-view draws. And this, to me, is so funny because the criticism on Jake Paul is fight real fighters, fight real boxers. But then you same people that criticize him bought his fight when he didn't fight to your standards, quote unquote, real matchups. He had a big pay-per-view share, a bigger uh, pay-per-view buys when he fought these guys that you didn't consider were real fighters. And then he fights a real fighter, Anson Silva, and you don't buy it. So what message are you sending to Jake Paul? If I'm Jake Paul and I'm about money and I'm not about getting legitimacy in fighting, I'm going to go, okay, so I fought the toughest guy in my career, by far, goes to decision, I got the knockdown, best, by far my best performance, toughest side of my career, I made the least amount of money? What message that you guys keep hounding him about, he's not fighting real people, he's not doing this, but then you people are buying the pay-per-view more when he's fighting less competition, but they might have a bigger name or more Instagram followers than Anderson fucking Silva. So if I'm his manager... For my next step, obviously the Nate Diaz fights the fight. That's the move no matter what anybody tells him. But that's the fight. But also, in the future, it's like, hey, dude, yeah, you, you fought Anderson Silva. You're fighting real guys. And we know people say, we want to fight, you fight, you, we wanna see you fight a real boxer. But the data shows when you fight real guys, if, it's not, if they don't have the same pull as far as pay-per-view buys where it's not a 
Woodley, who's been in the UFC currently forever, or it's not a Ben Askren, or it's not a, you know, uh, kind of a circus act, people aren't buying it. And you're risking your reputation and losses and, you know, you're fronting this whole thing, you know? And he's also lost his ass, too, because he says, again, these are all great points. And if you're a Jake Paul fan, this is something you should be excited about. He talks about how he's, you know, this, this MVP promotions is his thing. So when these fights fall out, remember, he has put so much money in the marketing, into renting the venues, the staffing, his team, the other teams dealing with the other, the entire roster as far as the fight card goes, their camps, flights, hotels, security, the, all the, the, the concessions, the merch, all that stuff. His company has, when heavy lies the crown, you want to own a promotion, you have to run all that shit. Now, he's probably not putting all that together, but he's still part of it. He's still fronting it money-wise. So when that Tommy Fury fight pulls out, he's fucked money-wise. When the Rockman fight pulls out, he's fucked money-wise. Then Anderson Silva gets going, and look at the draw. Anderson decides because his language barrier talks, wants to impress people and say how tough of a camp he's had getting ready for Jake Paul, which shows you he respects Jake Paul, but he really fucked up and hurt the pay-per-view numbers. So it's tough. You guys want to criticize Jake Paul and you're not fighting real guys and blah, blah, blah. And then when he fights his toughest fight, you didn't buy it. And then when he fights the toughest fight and puts on his best performance, you go, that was fake. Yeah. So if I'm Jake Paul, I'm like, I can't win. Just line up the easiest, most famous guy. Line up the easiest, most famous guy. Whether it's a real boxer, a former UFC legend, or if it's some fucking kid off YouTube with... 30,000 subscribe 30 million subscribers it doesn't matter. So the message and the 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 knock on Jake you guys are only adding to it. If you want to see him fight real people, buy the pay-per-view when he fights real people. Don't sit back and go that that's not that's not real blah 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 cuz it was the toughest fight. But now what you're doing is you're going to have Jake go I don't know why I do it then. Why why am I why am I fighting these guys give me a tough night in the office when I just beat up YouTubers and you make more money. You're telling me that Jake Paul wouldn't make several times more money against a guy like KSI than he would Anderson Silva, according to this research? So if I'm Jake, you know, yeah, I want to be taken seriously. Yeah, I want that validation. Do you, though? Because the proof's in the pudding. You fought by far your toughest test. They really, people, I mean, 300,000 buys in this inflation and this current climate, you know, not terrible. Mm -hmm. It's tough, right? Yeah. What else you got? Do you think that Tommy Fury fight will do better than Anderson Silva? Yes. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I know. And I love Tommy Fury. I saw one of his headlines goes, uh, what did he say? He said, Jake Paul and KSI need to fight me if they want to be taken serious in boxing. Tommy Fury, I got news for you, Bubba. Jake Paul is more of a legit boxer than had toughest fights it's fight against fucking the basketball guy, the short guy who won the dunk contest with the toughest fight than you've ever fought. Look up your record, dude. It does nothing for Jake to fight you. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some background there. I guess we've had some previous press. You're a reality star, dude. You just happen to be the little brother. You share the same dad, different moms. You just happen to be the brother of the greatest heavyweight of all time. That's the only reason we're entertaining this fight. Jake doesn't need to fight you to get validation. If anything, that's going to hurt him. You're telling me Tommy Fury's a tougher fight than Anderson Silva? Fuck you, dude. 
He knocks Tommy Fury out in four rounds. Easy highlight fight. You guys aren't going to buy that shit. KSI might have his hands full. I don't fucking know. I only have so much bandwidth. I can't focus on all these YouTubers boxing, trying to get into their, their dip their toe in this fight world. The reason I covered Jake, he's a buddy, and he takes it goddamn serious. Mm-hmm. He actually has talent. These other guys, they're just doing it because it's the cool thing to do. Jake would do it no matter what. That's why I respect Jake. Yep. These other guys are just doing it to cash in. What else you got? All right, here's some news on Paulo Costa. Um, he posted about his him not being happy with his contract. He's a wild boy, man. He's I respect funny. Costa more and more mm-hmm. from his his. Tw- he's a great follow too. He'll talk some shit. He's trolled your boy. He's a he's a fun follow though. <laughs> he's a fun follow. So he put my miserable <laughs> my miserable contract with the UFC was up in a few short. Was up in well. That's just his translation. So yep, we'll be another problem. Get mm-hmm. his translation gets the guys in trouble. All right. <laughs> Uh, my miserable contract with the UFC is up in a few short months. He put was up. If it was up, it would be expired, right? Um, my miserable contract with the UFC was up in a few short months, will expire in time. A new hashtag boxer's coming to town. Boy, I'd love to see him and Jake Paul fight. That'd be a fun one. That would be fun. So, yeah, he mentioned the boxing thing, and he's also saying that USADA, they're doing it again where they're testing him at 5 in the morning. What? Yeah. So he has like proof of it too. I think the UFC is using USADA as a doorway to annoy these those who don't want to renew their miserable contract. That's his theory. That I can't believe USADA is here at five a.m. again. It's unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Will they come every single day at five a.m.? Fuck USADA. <laughs> I'm with him, man. It's like again, USADA is an employ, employee of the UFC. They're not a, a outsourced. Uh, the, the, they work in the UFC offices. The UFC hired them. Their the UFC pays their salaries, and I thought Dana said they're getting rid of the five AM shit. He's like, "This is ridiculous." Yes, this is during time. fight week. Now maybe it's just during fight week, which I agree with. Five AM at fight week or any time before eight AM on fight week is atrocious. These guys need their sleep. Sleep's more important than anything they can do. Mm-hmm. It's so goddamn important. So to disrupt that is just unprofessional. You got to take care of your clients. With this though, if it's you know if it's five a.m. it's a once off five a.m. You're trying to bust a guy. All right, I get it. But if it's happening all the time, there's something to Paul Costa's thing because you know you don't see a ton of other guys getting busted at five a.m. Mm-hmm. Very shady. But that's part of the problem, man. It's like you know, I've had Woodley on the show many times on food truck. He goes, "Yeah, the, talking all that shit." The UFC was a mistake, man. You don't realize like they can make your life fucking miserable. And for Costa, you know, come off the winner against Luke Rockhold, which is one of the sloppiest fights of all time. But, you know, he's coming off a win, but still not like, I guess, what, six in the world? You just can make your life very, very difficult. Very difficult meaning this. If you don't play by the rules, you're literally going to get the worst matchup possible. So the, what they do, they go, Paul Costa's being difficult? All right. And then maybe you saw it goes, here's our list for testing guys this week. We have po- uh, cost at 5 a.m. The UFC's not going to be like, no, don't do that to him. They're like, yeah, fucking right. do it. And then also matchup-wise, God, who, who could beat this guy? So he can ruin his value when he leaves here and tries to box Jake Ball. Mm-hmm. That's all they're going to do. So you just, you just hold your cards tight to your chest. I learned that. I remember when I was very first going through my issues with Dana and UFC and Reebok deal, Rashad called me. He's like, now's not the time, dude. Save it. Save it. They're going to make your life fucking miserable. You're, you're literally working for a company. 
you know yeah. and if the boss has power over you which they do because there's a reason why dana's the boss a very smart guy did some strategic moves begin that position he can make your life a living hell and making your life a living hell it's not like you worked at thick boy where let's say casey was the problem i, I can't really make casey's life too difficult i give you some shit projects i guess you know where you're like all right dude but it's not awful there's not much i can do in combat sports dude Dana can make your life very difficult. Oh, here's the worst matchup possible. Difficult by worst matchup possible. We're going to put you on the prelims. Look at Roger Huerta. Learn from Roger Huerta. Now, these young fighters, they've probably never heard of Roger Huerta. Roger Huerta was a Mexican-American kid who looked like a fucking Calvin Klein model and could fight his ass off and burst on the scene. He was the first fighter ever featured on Sports Illustrated. There's a picture of him. I think it's against Kenny uh, Florian, him fucking kicking him in the face against the cage. And he rose to power and got pretty famous and then started talking shit. Do you know what happened to Roger Huerta? If you haven't heard of him, he's fighting over in Asia now, getting kicked in the face for, I don't know, rising or one championship. There he is. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, I'm, I don't know, too brutal of the future. Look at that. America's fastest growing, most controversial sport. That's back in the day, yeah, dude. I remember those days. And Roger Huerta had all this momentum against the men. He, he spoke well. He looked the part. He was in movies. He was dating that redhead from that 70s show. Remember her? That oh, yeah. timepiece? Yeah. I mean, you're talking, he's living the fucking life, man. And then he got very difficult. Started to demand money. Started to demand the stuff. The UFC went, cool story, buddy. Check this out. You're not main event anymore. Matter of fact, you're not, even the, you're not in the main card anymore. We're going to put you on the prelims against Gray Maynard. And then you lose that, you're cut. And it was like Mission Impossible for him. Fighters need to learn, man. And like I told you, Woodley said, it was one of my biggest regrets. I shouldn't have done it at the time because they made my life very difficult. There's just no upside to it. Wait till you're in, you know, if you're one foot out, one foot in, you have one fight left, let them market you on that fight, win that fight. And if you know you're leaving, then start talking that shit. But what Paulo Costa is doing, it's just not good. They're going to get you, man. Nobody's ever won. Nobody's ever won. Mm -hmm. They'll suppress all your shit. All your shit. Everything. Look at Dan Hardy being difficult. Was part of the UFC. Was part of that BTS uh, broadcast, which to me is the best in the world. They're the, you know, they're the marquee uh, lineup for breaking down fights. I love all those guys. Bisbing's on there. They're all fantastic. And the reason Bisbee uh, filled in now is because Dan Hardy's not there anymore. UFC can make your life very difficult. Oh, get him out of there. He has his reptile, you know, reptilian mind uh, show or whatever. He's probably full reptile. Full reptile. He's the smartest mind we have in the game. It's such a shame they don't use him. And then with Dana has a press conference, and there's a lot of sheep out there with what Dana says has huge influence, right? So Dana goes, yeah, he was being aggressive with a girl. Well, most people aren't listening to me. Most people aren't listening to Dan Hardy. The majority of fans go, dang, can you believe Dan Hardy got fired because he was sexually assaulting that girl or whatever fuck crazy narrative that the UFC comes up with? Because all they're going to do is try and devalue. Devalue so what you say doesn't have the same weight to it. Me with Dan, that kid's an idiot. Ah, fuck that guy. Okay. Okay. You know? So for these fighters currently in the UFC doing that, just don't, man, don't, yeah, there's, back off. there's no upside, dude. They're going to ruin your life. B 
be smart about it. be strategic about it. know exactly what you have and then if you do have a platform like a podcast or even your social media wait till you win your next fight and they give you a big fight and they give you the marketing for it they give you your bonus because there's another thing it's going to affect you financially too because you're not going to get your bonus then give it to somebody else you know you're not going to get those sponsorships they're giving to everybody else you're not going to get marketed you're not going to be on the main card there's no upside to it Get your star as big as possible. And if you're on that side of the fence, like, man, fuck the UFC. As soon as I'm out of here, then I'm then release the hounds. You know? Mm. That's the move. Alrighty. And um, also for, for Costa, last thing on this, for Costa, let's say you want the fight with Jake Paul, right? They're giving you a terrible matchup. But if you want that fight with Jake Paul, the UFC is going to give you the worst matchup possible to uh, via Nate Diaz until they pull that whole... UFC 279, conspiracy theory, right? So they were trying to do it to Nate Diaz. It just didn't work out for him. But what they're going to do is give you the worst matchup possible, and let's say you get knocked down that fight. Well, now Paulo Casa, that fucks you monetarily, money-wise, when you go to ask for that fight against Jake Paul. Jason, you know, your star is kind of diminished. You got knocked in the last fight. People aren't really paying attention. But there's a lot of factors that go into that. Yeah, people weren't paying attention because the UFC didn't give you a spotlight. They didn't even put your fight on the website. People didn't know you were fighting. Like, they make it really difficult, man. Okay. But also, what do you expect? Would you guys do it any other way? If you're Dana, these guys are talking shit to you. You have to show your power, I guess. Yeah, you're like, okay, cool, dude. Mm-hmm. Beep, beep. ESPN, a.k.a. Mickey Mouse, my boss. Here's what's going on, Paulo Costa. Cool. Say less. Your tweets aren't getting retweeted. Your countdown shit's not, you're no longer on the countdowns. Your merch is, for whatever reason, not selling well. Weird. You know what I'm saying? They can make it very difficult. There's no upside. No fighter in the history of fighting has ever won that battle. Say Connor did. Connor talked some shit to Dana. But remember, that's Connor on a yacht in Gucci pajamas mm-hmm. with $400 million in the bank. Because he played, I'm sure he has some issues with the OC. You never heard about it till after he was on that yacht on a boat many, many miles away. They can't really fuck with him. Maybe he he put out Dana's DMs to him. Remember that? Yeah, a long time. Yeah, but that's a he, he's he's a an outlier. Yeah, for the rest of you, it ain't gonna work, man. What else you got? All right, this is kind of related to Paula Costa, but it's more funny than anything. So do you remember way back that Colby Covington said that he was hooking up with Pollyanna, Pollyanna Viana? No, she's like that. They're actually, I think they did teammates and stuff as well, but then their teammate, that was his girlfriend for a while. I think so. He was saying that they were hooking up. She said that they weren't. That's a picture of them together too. Do me a favor. Go back. Mm-hmm. Go back to the tide. Yeah. Pollyanna Viana makes x-ray claim about Colby. Let me see that. That's one day ago. So that's all <laughs> oh, this. Is their this headline? Yeah, this is where it's going to so she before she denied that they had something together, but then now she did like a question and answer thing with someone in the MA media, kind of a fun game thing. And then she admitted, so this is the, this is, the guy's name is Alex Behunin, who does these question games, whatever. Humanizing athletes. Let's mm-hmm. ask about your sex past. That's <laughs> not nice. So these are all the favorite stuff, right? Favorite food. Favorite food, pasta, favorite drink, Coke. Regular Coke, or we're talking about Coke Zero. Favorite color, black, dark. Favorite TV show, never heard of it. Favorite video game, never heard of it. Favorite band, never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Favorite place to travel, France, never been. Favorite fighter, Manu Nunes, makes sense. Favorite all-time fight to watch, Johanna vs. Wele. Favorite knockout, Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort, I like that. Favorite sport to watch other than MMA, CrossFit. 
Interesting. Favorite submission practice, arm locks, favorite hobby, watching anime. Okay. And then she posted this too. Kobe wanted me to finger him in the ass, but I did not want to. He got upset. Hilarious. So she's basically. <laughs> she's kind of leaning into it yeah. though. Yeah. Still doesn't confirm it, but that's hilarious. Yeah. And then Paula Costa also commented on this as well. Uh, Kobe wanted me to finger him in the ass, but I didn't want to get upset. Mm-hmm. And go please don't accuse kobe of being gay i just uh just because pollyanna said she stuck her finger in his ass and then um you're very childish respect his sexual taste is so just post this little video here secret juice <laughs> <laughs> dude, i'm telling you he's a great follower yeah dude out of nowhere too he's so funny yeah he's he's hilarious mm-hmm. Uh, Him and Jake Paul would be nuts. Yeah. I wonder how big of a difference they are body-wise. I know. That's a good point, Jen. Well, um, so this is Sean O'Malley. Um, when MMA Junkie said, with Aljamain Sterling planning to sit until June, Henry Cejudo proposes an interim title fight with Sean O'Malley. And then Sean O'Malley wrote this, that he'd rather fight someone who deserves it, like Cheeto. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm with, I'm with uh, I, listen, you know, Cheeto's, my boy, love sugar. That, that makes sense to me for interim fight, and they have that that weird history, right? Yep. Where sugar doesn't say it was a real fight; it wasn't a loss. His leg blew out. I think it was due to the leg kicks from Cheeto. So run it back, uh, interim yeah, title, back. and not only build sugar's thing, and also out of all the matchups, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. So who does not get matchup for any of them? Yeah. So who is a nightmare for all of them? And one more with uh, Sean O'Malley. So remember Sean O'Malley. So Bryce Mitchell before the Peter Yan fight. I may say good. Yeah, he was like, congrats, but you did not win that fight. Yeah. And then Sugar was like, this come from a guy who has sex with his sister or something like that. His dad had sex with his sister. Yeah. So then, so we played that video already. And then Your dad Bryce, fucked his sister to make you. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then Bryce Mitchell heard that. Hold on a second. So Bryce Mitchell heard that in this week. He called me inbred. I'm going to deal with that when I see him. He sits on site when he sees him, huh? It's on site. And then this is what Sean O'Malley ended up saying at the end. Never called Bryce an inbred. And it's pretty much, that's it. Um, So he just said, I never called Bryce inbred. He just said, your dad had sex with his sister. Yeah, that video. So he alluded to it. Of course. I'm sure Sean has respect for him. Different weight classes, right? And Bryce just said that he... He expected Jan to win anyways in the beginning. Like he picked Jan over. Yeah, I didn't have a, see this is a thing it's with comics too. Like everyone's so sensitive. You say anything, especially with fighters. Like Bisbing has this problem. DC has this problem, but especially Bisbing lately with you know uh, Nate Diaz uh, made fun of him because he said you know uh, Jake could be a problem for him. You know J- Jake poses a lot of threats to him. For what we do, guys like Bisbing or uh, Chael, me. Not so much Luke because he is an analyst, but for guys like Dan Hardy, Dan Hardy really doesn't pick fights, but Bisbing well, I well, Chael well, you're going to offend certain people. But also, like, that's part of the gig, man. Like, I can't just come on and, like, obviously I didn't pick Chandler and uh, Poirier. I wish they weren't fighting. I love both of them. But other than that, I always make picks, and it pisses some people of off, man. Yeah. It's just they're so sensitive. So, you know, for Bryce, you know, it's tough. You're going to piss people off, man. Mm-hmm. So there was rumors going around that Charles Oliveira was going to fight Rafael Fazeev in January. 
I'm with I'm with Charles Oliveira. Yeah, so then he kind of pretty much break. denied it. I'm I'm with him. There's no upside for Charles Oliveira. Tough matchup. Fazeev's a monster. It needs to be Fazeev and Gaethje, straight up. Mm. But I'm with Charles. Like, no, I just lost my belt. I, I'm not fighting this monster at six. It's not happening. He should be fighting Dariush. Fazeev should be fighting Justin Gaethje. End of story. So this is the press conference, and this is Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira doing a stare down. But it, it looks pretty trippy. I'll just show you. So he turns around first. Stop it. That guy just looks freaking scary. He's a Brazilian <laughs> fucking Terminator, man. Yeah, super I, you scary. know, and I, I get all the hype on him, you know, and it always takes me long to get on a guy's bandwagon unless you're Sean Brady or certain guys. Makachev, I was late to the party. Francis, I was late to the party. Pierre, I'm late to the party. I just... You know, I know everybody's on his Brazilian Terminator nuts. I just, I don't think you guys realize how good Izzy is. Mm. I really don't. It's and it's it's honestly, it's disrespectful. It really is. Mm-hmm. Even my brother in Houston, he's like, oh, I can't wait to see that Pierre guy fight. Brian, I'm sure I'm fine. Kid, me and Brian have five thousand dollar bet on it. Jeez, five thousand dollars. Because Brian, again, my brother Brian, they've never seen Pierre fight besides the Sean Strickland fight. Oh, dude, he's gonna destroy Izzy. I'm like, what? In what world? I know he's scary. He's the next big thing. You'll see he paints him like he's this Brazilian Terminator. It's disrespectful. Man. Y'all must have forgot. I hear you. But is you know it- how fucking good Izzy is at fighting? You know how much more experience he is at this level? It's also Madison Square Garden. So it's not like he's fighting a fight night. It's not like he's fighting in you know in UFC in uh, Vegas, you know, at T-Mobile Arena. It's not like they're fighting Phoenix or Houston or wherever. Bro, they're fighting at the Mecca. The mecca of all fighting. So if already we don't know how he deals with 25 minutes in the spotlight, it just amplifies that. Daisy, it's not Jane office. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that guy. I think the only thing it was just, I mean, for me, it's just a mental thing. You know, having lost two times to the same guy, that's the only thing that I would say. Yeah. Otherwise. I think there's something there. There's something to be said about that. I think early on, you're going to see Izzy very strategic, very lasered focus and Probably not taking a lot of chances early on because that's in the back of his mind. Mm. But I also think things happen for a reason, and those knockouts allowed Izzy to become the, you know, the best mixed martial artist on the planet because he learned. All right, I do all this training. We come up with a game plan, and then against certain guys like a Piera, if I don't stick the game plan, and you know, I, I try to match these guys, you know, in a in a phone booth fight, it just gives them a opportunity to loot to win. So he's. He's learned from that. The only time we've ever seen him have a kind of hiccup like that in the UFC was against Kelvin Gaslam. Top three middleweight fights of all time, and I tell you, he won that fight. But he learned from that, you know? I don't think we see that out of him. Yeah. Um, this is Alex Perry's sister. So she's, a, I didn't know she was a kickboxer as well, but now she's going to be fighting in LFA, in MMA. But Sick. I'll show you uh, one of her fights here. She's savage like him. The certain look. Damn, the, that family is trouble. She's tenacious like her brother. She's the younger sister, huh? 
she's a uh, and she's very very tall too you can see yeah well, they're just, they're just genetic tall. freaks man um uh, i'm sure you saw this video no yeah where they pick <laughs> she up she picks francis. up francis and gone look how big francis is i know he's got to be weighing over 265 there right because he's not freak yeah so that was pretty crazy um this was from a one championship <sighs> fight i'm not sure which one but he actually didn't he got his leg dented by a kick it looks swollen oh that guy just tapped he went oh. fuck this and the guy just went i've had enough he kicked so oh my yeah. god so that was pretty nasty jesus christ um this I just thought was just cool because Conor McGregor he had a beard finally shaved it off. Yeah, I don't like him clean shaved. <laughs> I know, I know he did it for his Halloween outfit where his mom went blackface. But you I saw that too. Yeah, I mean poor taste. Huh? What yeah. do you think? I mean, she said it was not that, but um, oh, this is okay. People are, I guess, they're calling him out on this because it seems like he's he's losing touch. They're saying like he's a sixty year old uncle on Facebook or something, thinking something's funny. But this is what he posted. It's terrifying. I just don't know what it is. But is he in makeup for a movie? What is this? It looks I like he's shooting Roadhouse, so there's no gorilla. I have no Roadhouse. clue. But his thing's also, you know, his gorilla, the, the walk that's mm -hmm. from a gorilla, his tattoo on his chest, gorilla, so it matches. I up. guess so. <laughs> Whatever. You know, it is, it's content. I mean. And here's the last one. It's just Chael Sonnen talking about MMA math. It's kind of messed math, up. MMA math will always add up. Example, Connor plus Khabib equals only business. Henry Suda. As well as five foot man, DC a towel the right weight. Khabib, Tiramisu, missed weight. Tiramisu, music, boogeyman. Arnold Allen, Gaethje, Nico Price equals one brain. Oh, interesting. Just kind of went hard on them, yeah. Interesting. Mm hmm Huh. Yeah. All righty. I think that's pretty much it. Um, you pretty much covered the fights already, too. But if you want, yep, went over the fights. Yep. So uh, Saturday night. Uh, no uh, Calabas fight command because I'll be on the road in Houston. I'm in Houston this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Houston Improv. We have a special appearance, me and the Thick Boy Squad at the Specs downtown uh, Houston. I'll put on my profile today so you guys can get the exact um, address. But um, that's Saturday at the Specs downtown Houston. Come try the award-winning Tiger Thick. Come get a bottle. We'll have merch there. I'll be there. The camera crews will be there. It's going to be a grand old time. That's from 12 to 2 in Houston at Specs downtown. The exact address will be on my social media. And then Thursday, one show. Friday, two shows. Saturday, two shows. Friday's almost sold out, so let's get working on Thursday, Saturday, Houston, Texas. Uh, Meg the Stallion will be there twerking for Tiger Thick. That's not true. And then next week, I'm in Milwaukee, just Friday and Saturday. Kid has a game on Thursday, so we're only doing Friday, Saturday in Milwaukee. Milwaukee Improv, Jeffrey Dahmer Tour, you best believe your boys going to be doing something for that. And then Providence, Rhode Island's almost sold out December 1st through the 3rd. Providence, Rhode Island, can't wait, never been, looking forward to it. Washington, D.C., D.C. Improv, one of my favorite clubs in the country, December 15th through the 17th. Get your tickets at thickboy.com. We just released new Thick Boy Diet merch on Thick Boy as well. You can also get Tiger Thick on thickboy.com. We got it all there for you guys. Get the new stealth uh, camo collection, sweatshirts, shorts, hoodies. We got the hats. 
jerseys. We got it all, man. But the new uh, Thick Boy Diet just dropped. So get you some right now. Thick Boy Diet. It has a steak knife, a donut, whiskey. That's my diet. I have high cholesterol, whatever. Thickboy.com. Get your tiger thick there as well. All right? Enjoy UFC 281 this weekend. Saturday night, Izzy, Alex Pierre. It's going down. Coleman event, Carlos Sparza, uh, Zhang Weilei. And then you also have Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, Frank Yeager's last fight, Dan Hooker looking to redeem himself, Brad Riddell, Renato Meccano. That's a great fight. Dominic Reyes is coming back. Molly the Meatball McCann is on there, big underdog. And then my boy Andre Petrosi is about to mop the floor with his guy. That is all going down this mother truck in Saturday on UFC pay-per-view from Masson Square Garden, baby. So that's it. But Houston, I will see you this weekend. Uh, can't wait to see everybody. And then Milwaukee's after that. Um, thank you, guys. Thanks for watching. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Love you guys. Food truck this week will be with Al Jermaine Sterling. Holler at your boy. That drops on Thursday on Thick Boy. Get you some. Love you guys. Be safe. Till next time, I'm out. If you're into Thick Boys, <laughs> like, subscribe, comment, and God bless America. Well, that's not my big one. Just kidding.